Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate Podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere, every day. We believe this will require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is unified in a region and it's collaborating around five key initiatives. That's citywide prayer, leader health, disciples who make disciples, serving the city in tangible ways so people see the kingdom of God breaking in, and then starting new kingdom initiatives uh, like church plants or nonprofits or businesses that also exist to see the same types of things happen. So right now we're spending a little bit of time on the initiative of church planting. And more specifically, we get to interact with uh, an old friend of mine. Uh, uh, we've we've known each other quite a while, got to do work together more closely in the years past. And then I've gotten to watch him go on with the group he's a part of and the family he's a part of. That is the family of churches he's a part of and really um, do some remarkable work in the area of church planning. So this is Jordan Elder that we're gonna get to hang out with a bit. And Jordan serves as pastor of preaching and vision at Redeemer Round Rock. It's a multiplying church in the suburbs of Austin, Texas. Jordan also leads the Redeemer Network of Churches, which is a uh, which is working to plant and replant or even revitalize healthy churches across Texas and beyond. And Jordan is married, he has three kids. He also, and I don't want to even say this, but it's in, he told me I have to. So he is a proud Houston Astros fan, which I don't like at all uh, because the Mariners should have gone further and we didn't. So I'm crying right now as I say that. Jordan, well, the, glad you're here. <laughs> th- thanks, Jeff. Uh, the Rangers probably would have would have beat you just like they're beating the Astros right now anyway. I know. So. I know. One of us had to get beat up a second time, right? <laughs> I guess we just we just got saved from our misery is what happened. So that's right. Oh well, Jordan, man, I'm so glad you're here. So glad that people are they haven't ever met you, get to meet you through this and hear a little bit about who you are, the work you're doing, and uh, I, I think there's a lot to learn. You know, I think as people are leaning in and wanting to learn more about not just church planting, but how do we collaborate together to see more churches planted. I think the story of what you guys have has have done is not only inspirational, but incredibly helpful. Like there's a lot of enlightening uh, uh, thoughts and ideas that I, I believe are going to help our listeners. So why don't we start first, though, before we dive into that a little bit, why don't you share a little bit more about the work you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's good to see you and catch up with you a little bit. As you said, I've, I've been a part of Pastoring Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas for the last 11 years. We planted a Redeemer in 2012, and as it goes with church plants, I've served in a variety of different roles uh, at Redeemer as our church has grown and changed over the years. But currently, uh, that looks like leading our staff, preaching on Sundays, and then just staying connected with people as a pastor and new people, and uh, staying connected with members and, and just pastoring people. So that's the majority of what I spend my time doing. And then uh, as far as my work with the Redeemer Network, yeah, since 2016, when we formalized the Redeemer Network, I've served as the network director. So give primary leadership and vision to the network. Um, uh, and then I, I, I've kind of always given a good chunk of my time to training leaders and developing leaders through our a collaborative church planning residency program. So um, that's a that's a good, good chunk of, of how I spend my time. All right. What are the origins of the Redeemer Network of Churches? Like, how did this come about? 
Yeah, great question. Um, I think it, let me start by by saying that it was never really part of anyone's vision to start the Redeemer Network. Like there was never a vision statement that said, let's start a network of churches. Really the the origins of the Redeemer Network goes goes back to 2008 in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, Lubbock is a college town in West Texas. It's home of Texas Tech University, which is my alma mater, Reckham Tech. Uh, and in 2008, Redeemer Lubbock was planted by Dusty Thompson. And uh, Dusty was my college pastor uh, while I was a student. I could do my undergraduate degree there. And um, in 2008, I was just finishing up my undergraduate degree. I was preparing to get married and I sensed a call to ministry on my life. And Dusty invited me to come be a part of the team that was planting Redeemer Lubbock. And, and, and that church really had a twofold vision. It was to reach college students and young adults in Lubbock. And I think Dusty had he had been doing college ministry for twelve years, and so I think he was aware of the fact that hey, you've got people for four, six, eight years in a college town, and then they're going somewhere else. And so, really, it's had a vision to leverage that, so to reach students and young adults, but then also from there to mobilize and to send out church plants and international mission teams. And so there was a vision from the beginning. We called it the twenty twenty vision, and that was to try and plant twenty churches domestically and send. 20 international missionary teams by the year 2020. And that was a vision that just seemed kind of crazy, but, but it, was, it was compelling. And it created a, a, a culture of development, of training, and of sending. And so I jumped right in there and uh, found myself on staff at that church early on. The church was bearing fruit. We were reaching people, baptizing people. Uh, it was a really exciting time. And Within, within really the first six months of Redeemer Lubbock, Dusty pulled together a group of about eight young leaders. Uh, he he called that group uh, church planner development. I guess that was before church planning residencies were trendy. Um, uh, church planner development. We met every Monday, and um, I was a part of that group uh, along with my good friend Josh Reeves, who you know, Jeff. And yeah, um, yeah. and so we we were we were part of a group. Yeah, we met every Monday for about eighteen months, and Dusty was was committed to developing young leaders and sending them out. And then in 2011, 2012, uh, toward the end of 2011, early 2012, uh, Josh Reeves and I were affirmed by Redeemer Lubbock as planters. Uh, Josh was assessed with Acts 29. And we were sent out by Redeemer Lubbock with a small team to to come to Austin and to plant a church in the Austin area. So that's really kind of the origin of what is now the Redeemer Network. So Redeemer Lubbock had a vision for multiplication. And then if you fast forward maybe a few years, if you fast forward from 2012 when we planted in Austin, uh, Redeemer Lubbock had continued to plant a few other churches in West Texas. I think they planted three other churches by then. So from 2008 to 2012, they had planted four churches. And then we planted our first two churches, we started in 2012, in 2012, by 2015, we had planted two churches. And um, Dusty was in Austin speaking at a, at a conference in the fall of 2015. And there was a really providential moment that happened. We, Josh and I were meeting him for coffee just to catch up. And in that conversation, we started talking about the unique challenges of being a church planning church. Like in a way, we were kind of whining together. You know, like how hard it is to to send people out, and um, he was talking about the challenges of being a larger church, right? And they have plenty of leaders and plenty of resources, 
at the time, I think they were about a thousand people. And, but he, he, I remember him saying, we have plenty of leaders. We have plenty of resources, but we don't know how to train people anymore. That was what he said. He said, we've like lost our church plant DNA. We don't know how to train leaders anymore. Huh. And then we were saying, we were saying, well, we're a smaller church plant. At that time we were maybe a hundred people and we had just sent out two church plants. And so we were, you know, we backtracked now when we're even smaller again. And, and we were talking about how we felt like we really know how to effectively train people. And in fact, we have the right lab for that. Like we are a church plant. We can train people for church planning, but we don't have any, any leaders anymore. We don't have any money. <laughs> and so we were just kind of talking about the unique challenges. And, and Dusty said something just kind of flippantly, honestly. He was like, why? he just said, why are we doing this together? You know, he said, there's got to be a way for us to leverage our strengths and, and do this together. And, and that was kind of a light bulb moment for all of us. And I, I think in that conversation, the Holy Spirit, birthed what is now the Redeemer Network of Churches, where we where we just said, why don't we try to do that? Let, let's try and leverage, pull our strengths so that we can plant more churches together. And so from 2015, we went from six or seven loosely connected churches, trying to each plant churches on our own, to a, a, a network of churches where we pulled our resources. We have a shared collaborative residency. We decided we were going to pull our money together to fund together. So we went from about six or seven loosely connected churches to today in 2023, we're, we're 30 churches with a formal strategy for collaboration. Wow, man. You know, it's interesting as you're sharing, I kind of want to back up a little bit because the 2020 vision put in front of you um, a, a scorecard or a, you know, a, an, a goal, but I want to call it a scorecard because for a lot of churches, they're wondering like, why, you know, why don't we multiply? Why don't we plant? And I, and I, I regularly will ask when I'm with the leaders, like, well, what's your scorecard? Cause if your scorecard is getting bigger, adding more people, more butts and seats, more bigger budgets, Big, more buildings, whatever it is your scorecard is, and it doesn't include intentionally losing people, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you, you just said is not easy. It's hard, but losing them for the sake of sending to start new churches. And you don't get to as many churches as you guys have planted unless you have part of your scorecard is we're going to train and prepare people to go and start a new church. And that's actually part of our development strategy as a church. Now, sounds like Dusty, now it's like they kind of lost that a little bit and had to, you guys, in a sense, brought the scorecard back in front of them. And yeah. I, I just, I want to highlight that because you guys are really clear on things you're trying to get done. And I think as people are listening, if that's not in your scorecard and doesn't include the reality that, that means you're going to send people and lose people, it's unlikely you're ever going to multiply. So mm-hmm. you yeah. guys have done a great job of, of highlighting that. And I think as, I don't know if you want to say more about that um, before I go on, but it yeah. is something I wanted to make sure we don't miss. Yeah. I mean, I just think about my own story, right? This is, this has caused me to reflect on my own story. And, and I think about, you know, as a young leader, 22, 23, just got married, a lot of desire and passion in ministry. Like, where did this value for multiplication and sending come from? Well, it was what was celebrated. It was what was a part of the vision of the first really healthy gospel-centered church that I was ever a part of. It was the value. You know, it was, hey, when we look at the New Testament, when we look at the Bible, the church sends, the church multiplies. And so that's what we're going to be about. 
And so that, that, that became a value that many of us, that first wave of leaders, there was at Redeemer Lubbock, we, we carried that value with us into each of our own ministries. And then, yeah, I think they did. I think they looked up four or five years later and, and were bearing a lot of uh, fruit of, of, of reaching young adults and college students and had a lot of momentum there um, in a really healthy way. And, and realized, whoa, that wave of leaders is gone now. We've sent them. How do we train the next wave of leaders? And, and, and weren't really sure how to do that anymore. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love, I love the humility of even going like, hey, we need help. And you've got a very large church with lots of resources, a small church with very little resource, and yet a different kind of resource. You know, the, the practical resource of doing the thing that was built into you, which is to build out build multiplication into the very structure of who you, who you are. And so as, as, you th- as I th- we think about that and we think specifically about what you guys have learned and what you've done, what would you say have been some of those key initiatives that you think are necessary then to accomplish this kind of work? Yeah, well, I mean, from that first coffee, coffee shop conversation uh, at the end of 2015, we just committed to taking one step at a time. So again, we weren't trying to build a robust network. We we, we were trying really hard not to get too far ahead of our skis uh, on this. We, we basically said, so what would it look like, right? And so at that point, I think um, there were seven churches that had been planted out of Redeemer Lubbock, and then plus the two churches that we had planted, my, that my church had planted. And, and, and from, you know, amongst those churches, I think there were three residents at the time. So we just said, well, what can we do to leverage our strengths to train those three guys together and then to fund those three guys together? We, we weren't trying to build a network. <laughs> we yeah, were just yeah. trying to train those three guys. And so we, we made a commitment to three priorities and those three priorities have remained our three priorities to this day. And so they are collaborative training, collaborative funding, and, and collaborative support. So training, funding, support, we're going to train leaders together. Uh, we're not going to farm out training to one church. We're going to do it together. We're going to train our guys together and we're all going to participate in that. We're going to pull our church planning dollars together. And if I don't have a, a planter right now, I'm not holding my money back. I'm going to give my money to help fund your guy. And then we're going to support one another. And so that's what we did. I, I built a, a collaborative and shared church planning residency that every church had access to and that invited every lead pastor to participate in the equipping as long as they wanted to. They Some of them chose not to, but they had the opportunity to. Um, we created a bank account. And, uh, and people started sending their money to a bank account and got generous with their money. And then we established an annual retreat where our pastors would get together on a ranch in Texas every January to pray for one another, to support one another. And then we, any church planning residents that we had, we brought to that retreat so we could bring those guys into the community and uh, love on those guys and get to know them as well. So that was it. Pretty simple. We're going to train together, train, fund, support. And honestly, the residency program was really the key to our collaboration. Um, it, it, I think the spirit just breathed on it, honestly. Um, it's, uh, it was really effective. It, what, one of the things that it did is having at that point in the life of our network, you know, you think you have, you had a church that's maybe six months old. You had one church that's six years old, one church that's two years old, one church that's a thousand people, one church that's maybe 30 people, but every church had access to a robust church planning residency now. And they could immediately go out and start recruiting leaders to say, come and learn church planning with us and get trained and get supported and get sent. 
And that just got really catalytic, empowering those churches in that way to have a mechanism like that. Mm. Man, I, I, first of all, I love the simplicity of it. So you, you make a commitment to collaborate around three things, training, funding, support. Um, when I oftentimes when I'll go into a city and talk about how they can start to work together in a collaborative way to see gospel saturation happen in their context, I usually say, just start with one initiative, have some shared outcomes, build a team that you all have responsibility to make happen, and then begin to do it long enough to be able to determine whether or not collaboration happened as a result. Like, yeah. and that's really what you guys did. I mean, very simple. Um, but very effective. I mean, you you guys have done some really, really great work. One of the things I want to highlight there too is the church of 30 and the church of 1,000 all have a part to play. They also have a benefit to receive. And yeah. I think that's really, really key in collaboration is we're all willing to contribute, but we also recognize we need to receive. There's like a both and. I remember I was talking about collaborating in Memphis several years ago and one of the guys raised his hand. He said, Jeff, I just planted a church. I don't have anything to give to... The, all these other churches, like I'm barely, barely getting started. I'm barely surviving. I said, well, maybe that's what you need to give is your need, you know, mm -hmm. give your need for the rest of them to come around you and help you. And I, yeah. I just encourage anyone's listening. If you think collaboration is impossible, start with being honest about your needs and weaknesses. Pray that God reveals where someone else might have strengths, but also be willing to then put your strengths on the table as well and say, can we both share? strengths yeah. and weaknesses and collaborate around them together. Yeah. You guys did that really, yeah. really well. Um, one, one, one thing I'd say to that, Jeff, is that what, what I think what we learned, and, and it required the humility of Dusty and Redeemer Lubbock, which they Dusty is one of the most humble leaders you'll ever meet if, uh, mm. if you get the chance to know him and meet him. But um, but it required the humility for him to say, yeah, you, 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 you younger churches and you smaller churches actually have a lot to offer that we don't. And, and the mm. reason he had that humility is because the second wave of church planners that they tried to send out, a lot of them failed because they had gotten trained in a large church. Oh, yeah. And he wow. realized like these guys actually needed to go learn in the right lab. They needed to go get in a church planning context and learn church planning. And they didn't have that. We threw a bunch of books at them and they got to do ministry uh, in a large church that is got a big wave of momentum where it's a little easier to lead in a, in a setting like that. And so I think he realized, hey, our, our next wave of guys, we need to send them down to spend some time with our church plants and learn from those guys and really learn church planning because we can teach them, we can teach them ministry, but we can't necessarily teach them church planning at this point. And so the small church plant actually has a lot to offer. They have the right lab to learn church planning in. Uh, so good. Oh, man. Gosh. I hope every church planner gets encouraged by that. I hope every large church gets encouraged by that to go like, maybe the reason why we're not successful is because we've got the wrong lab. Maybe the reason why we are lacking is because we need a, a partner church that needs a lab. You know, I'm, that's, mm -hmm. that's really, really good. That's so mm -hmm. helpful. Well, it wasn't always easy. You know, you've got, you got lots of challenges and struggles. Um, I know a lot of the best learning comes through failure or through difficulty. So what have been some of those challenges or struggles you guys have faced along the way as you tried to collaborate around this? Yeah, I think, I think one of the hardest things that, that, I, that comes to mind is just navigating change. So, you know, in, in a network, the, the strength of our network has always been the strength of our relationships, right? So you start with six, seven leaders that were all trained together in the early days of a church plant and a lot of great memories and experiences. And then 
those six, seven guys are now out kind of doing the same kind of work in different cities. And then you start bringing more people into that. So I think as our network has, has grown from six, seven churches to then 15 to then 25 and even today to 30 and just those growing pains, uh, navigating change. And, and the first side of that coin is relational change. Um, mm. There's a there's a palpable love for one another that's always existed in our network. There has always been an incredibly high trust among the pastors and leaders in our network. Uh, we we have there's 30 churches in the Redeemer network, and none of those have been like outside churches that have been brought in. Those are all churches that have been directly planted from one of our churches. So there's just high wow. relation high relationship, high trust, and so navigating change. Uh, you know, as, as God's called us into, into, into new seasons, as God has called some leaders over time away into new stations of life, into new ministry stations, as some of those church, some of our church plants have failed um, to use that term. I mean, I don't know what other term to use, uh, but you, you never bat a thousand in church planning. Yeah. So as, yeah. as some of the guys that we have sent out have, have really suffered and experienced hardship and the church didn't go the way that they hoped it would go. You know that has brought some pain. That's been a challenge. So how do we shepherd those guys well uh, through through change and through new seasons? I think also another the other side of that coin is just the organizational build out that it's required to scale multiplication. Um, we've hired staff. We've started new initiatives, particularly some new initiatives around replanting and revitalization. We we see that as really key right now in our context, especially in Texas and in the South. De, you know, denominational churches are declining and dying, and we feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. And so that's brought some organizational change to, we were just a church planning network. Now we're, we're doing, we're expanding into replanting and revitalizing. So um, the thing about change, the reason I say that this ch- change threatens trust, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been an, a, any network is built on high trust in unity. You're not going to collaborate together if you don't trust each other. I'm not going to give you my money, <laughs> my church's money. And you're, you know, we're not going to pull money and resources and if we don't trust each other. And so change threatens trust. And so one of the things that we've had to do is we just had to work really hard to go really slow, to communicate really well in order to protect trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, relationships, require time to build trust. Trust is necessary for collaboration. And as you collaborate and grow, the change produces even greater need for relational trust. And right. like we were, we were, we were just having a meeting. I wasn't in it, but a group of leaders here in Seattle were having a meeting about how do we work more collabor- collaboratively together in the region. And one of the uh, older guys that's super connected and just so, so amazing. I mean, really just a wonderful man. He said, Hey, none of you guys are going to really collaborate unless you truly know each other and trust each other. So he said, my recommendation is have three coffees minimally with every single person in this room before you have another conversation about what you're going to do together. <laughs> it was like, I just thought that's so simple, but it's absolutely true because if you don't have that kind of trust, um, you're not going to really take risk because you're not going to put your name and your resources on the line uh, and and the things that you've built unless you actually know the other person's going to be willing to to hurt with you if things don't go well. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. really, really good. I, how is that going? I mean, as you guys, I mean, that's a real challenge. Like, what's, what's that required? Is that just required, okay, we've got to actually spend more time? Is it a different kind of time that you're finding you need to have with each other? What's that looking like? 
we're, I mean, we're in the middle of that right now. One of the okay. kind of sacred spaces of our network that has preserved and grown trust has been that annual retreat that we've done every year on a ranch. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's a, we've got a guy who owns this ranch, like 400 acres in the heart of Texas and a river that cuts right through the, right through the ranch. And he's got plenty of, of bedding for about 50 people. And so that retreat is wow. been a sacred space. There's been no agenda. It's been show up as you are, connect, pray, eat, rest, fly fish. It's just been an amazing space, but we've wow. outgrown that. We've outgrown that space. And so now we're really having to think and work hard on how do we continue to create those kinds of sacred spaces where guys can be together in an unburdened, unhurry way and uh, continue to know each other and be known by one another. And so mm-hmm. we're in the middle of that. And we're also trying to think about how we can include wives more into those sorts of retreats, which changes the dynamic as well. So, um, so pray for us. We're, we're, that's the work we're doing right now is how do we scale the organization for the sake of multiplication, but without threatening trust that's key to ongoing collaboration. Man. Well, I, I will, I will pray for you. Um, and I, I feel that because we went through the same kind of growing pains uh, as the Soma family and are still trying to answer that question, honestly. So yep. yeah, it's a big deal. Um, yep. Well, in light of that, it's not all struggle. There's also breakthrough. There's things that, you know, you, we're, you, I know you can, you can celebrate. What are some of those breakthrough stories or moments that you guys have had? Uh, I think the thing I'm most proud about and most encouraged about over the years uh, in leading and working on this network of churches is, is to see how God has used the, used us to plant churches of many different shapes and sizes. So in other words, let me say it this way, uh, none of the churches in our network are carbon copies. There has, there, there's no like cut and paste church. You know, there's no kind of mimicking the success of one church in a different context. Um, We've planted churches that are in college towns that are reaching 18 to 30 year olds. We've planted churches that are, that have been replants of dying denominational churches in mid-sized towns in Texas. Uh, We've planted rural churches that are literally transforming the entire community. I love the rural churches that we've planted. One healthy church in a town of 8,000 people can, man, it can make such a big impact. And so we've planted yeah. rural churches. One of our, one of our pastors uh, is, has planted a church in the small town that he grew up in, went to high school in, and his kids ministry director on his staff was his elementary school principal. <laughs> and so just, you know, just that's the kind of stuff that can happen in small towns. And so, yeah, but, but then seeing, so cool. <laughs> but then seeing the, the small, the other small towns around that town now wanting a church like that in their community and those guys getting to now plant churches there. Um, we've planted suburban churches. My church is a suburban church. We've, we've got churches that are doing multicultural, uh, ministry and urban settings. And so, uh, I think this speaks to the work that we've really tried to do in our in our residency program and our training to really help guys think about their unique gifts, the uniqueness of their context, and their own unique convictions about about the church and what it, what is what is the what how are they informed by the scriptures to use their gifts where they are to plant a unique church. And so our churches are tied together with some common theology, and we have 12 health metrics that we're training or after in every church. But we want to see guys really embody that in light of their unique gifts 
in their particular context. And so uh, I'm really proud of that. We've got some healthy churches that look very different and that are doing good gospel ministry in some unique ways uh, in different parts all, all over the state and even beyond. We have uh, most of our churches are in Texas, all across Texas. We have two churches in New Mexico, and our most recent church plant is in Tucson, Arizona. Wow, that's great, man. I love the diversity of of plants and and even paying attention to the unique gifting, calling, convictions of each planter. That's really, that's, that's great. Sometimes I think we can tend to, if we're not careful, just create a bunch of cookie cutters and it doesn't actually yeah. serve the community well to do that. So, yeah, nor I, the planter. Yeah, I tell our guys all the time, we have an orientation with our every year at the beginning of, with our new church planning residents. And I, I tell them, I say, guys, the most negligent thing you can do, the most negligent thing to the power of the Holy Spirit is to do cut and paste church planning. Mm-hmm. And so you, you all have some church in mind that you admire, some other pastor or planter that you admire, and you're going to mimic and parrot that, that church and that person more than you realize. And that you have the next 18 months to start to learn who you are and what God's calling you to do. Hmm. And that's, that's hmm. what we, that's what we work to do in our resident, her residency program. You know, we didn't, we didn't stop and talk that much about that. I, um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the things you're doing in the residency program? Like, what does yeah. it look like? What are maybe, and maybe it's a mixture of maybe clerk curriculum and experiences and assessments, but yeah, what does maybe give us some overviews of what that might look like? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you just a real high overview and then we can, obviously, if anybody wants to learn more about that, they follow up with me and we, uh, we're happy to share anything that we're doing. So um, basically it's a, it's a two-year program with 18 months of content. That content is worked out in a learning community. So they're in a, they're in a cohort with other residents from across the network. And they're also immersed, you know, they're, every resident is a part of immersed in a lo- one of our local churches. So there's no, the Redeemer Network isn't training church planners. The Redeemer Network is supporting local churches to train their church planners by providing them a learning community and resourcing them with some content. And so those guys are, there's nine units of content. It's really kind of part one is laying a foundation for church planning. And so that's when they're really learning who they are, what their gifts are, what their story is, and then how to lead out in light of their story and their gifts. And then they're also learning, uh, they're working to articulate their, their convictions, their, their biblical convictions for why we plant churches and how we plant churches. So we have some content that we use for that. That's year one. If guys are green-lighted out of year one, if they have a clear calling and they can articulate their convictions and they understand who they are and know their gifts, they're green-lighted into year two. And year two is all about just sharpening skills for planting. And so that's, that's a lot of stuff that's going to be familiar to anybody, you know, preaching lab and leadership books and how to build a core team and pastoral care and counseling and some of those sorts of things. Mm, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, in a minute, we'll let people know where they can go if they want to learn more about what you guys yeah. are doing. But yeah, thanks for that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think there are a lot of people who want to see churches planted, but they don't have a, a curriculum. They don't have a process. They don't have a plan. And so I know you guys have done really good work. So thanks for being willing to make that available. As you think about the future and, and the collaborative work you guys are doing, what are some of your hopes? What, what does the future look like? What are your hopes for it? Yeah, one of the things that we are praying for is uh, in this season that God would continue to use our network to see 50 healthy churches established by 2050. And so that's that's what we've stated as our current vision, 50 healthy churches established by 2050. And the, the two key words there are healthy 
and established. And so we, we want to plant healthy churches. We want to keep our, <laughs> our current mm-hmm. churches healthy, yeah. right? Not just focus on the new churches, but we want to, want to keep the existing churches healthy and support those guys as they all move into those churches, move into new seasons. And, um, you know, uh, we want to keep them healthy and we want to then multiply our health. So we've identified 10 health metrics uh, as a network and we're doing ongoing coaching and training around those health metrics. Um, the, the second thing is that we're really trying to broaden the scope of our work beyond just church planting in this season. We've had the opportunity to start working with existing churches. We're building out training and resourcing in order to um, step into revitalizing and, and replanting churches. We've stumbled into that um, by you know a few times over the years as we've sent a church planner into a new city and they went in there to plant and all of a sudden ended up finding themselves replanting. Well, the spirit, uh, we stumbled into something God was already doing. When, when a dying church approached a, a church planter and said, would you, would you plant your church here? So we've learned a lot about replanting by accident, actually. And, um, and now we're wanting to more proactively do that. I think that, like I mentioned this earlier, but this is really important where we are in Texas. There's a lot of dying churches. The most recent LifeWay research from 2022 says nearly 70% of churches are in decline since 2020. And so we, we just, there's a lot of church buildings, but not a lot of healthy churches in a lot of towns and cities in Texas. And so we want to just say, hey, we, we want to help. That's, that's all we're trying to say is we don't want to just plant churches. We also want to help you if you're an existing church, get healthy. And here's what we mean by health. Our, we, have, we have our, our 10 health metrics that we are training and coaching and resourcing on. Do you mind sharing those 10? Sure. Yeah, man, you're going to put me on the spot right here. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, I know I'm catching off guard, but I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could get you to share those. I think those would be super help, health, helpful. And, you know, one of the reasons why I want, I want you to share them is because when you think about a revitalization or a replant, some people don't even know they might need that, right? They might not know if they're a leader leading a church going like, I don't even know what revitalization will look like. Why? I think when we describe what health looks like, then we can describe where we need help. And it's kind of like going to the doctor. And I, you know, I've referenced this. I, I, don't, I don't think I told you this earlier, but a, a new book, I have a new book coming out next month on uh, 180, a return to disciple making. But oh, I, I, the whole intro of it is just identifying the fact that I think COVID was like a big wake up call for a lot of us. A lot of churches were like, wait a minute, our people didn't know how to be disciples apart from us doing everything for them. And so then when we couldn't meet, it's like we were all freaking out. <laughs> and and most pastors realize, wow, we don't know how to make disciples or we didn't make disciples or we need to rethink how we make disciples, you know, in light of how everything's changed. But probably one of those is true for almost everybody listening. And I think having a sense of what health looks like even if they wouldn't maybe adopt your your metrics, having a picture of it is, at least allows them to go like, oh, wait a minute, I don't think that we're paying that close attention. And so it's kind of like a visit to the doctor. I felt like that's what COVID was. It was like a divine visit to, to God, the phys- physician saying, let me tell you what's still broken in your church. Yeah. And instead of feeling shame or guilt over that, it's just, it's, it's, there's a freedom in being able to see more clearly what we need to work on. So yeah, would you share those 10 uh, that might just even, for someone listening, going like, oh, 
those are helpful. I want to adopt those. There's a few of those that I want to take. Some of those we're not doing well at. So yeah, go yeah. ahead and share those. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident I could have rattled off eight or nine of these off the top of my head, but you you uh, you gave me some time there to pull up my list. So thank you. I want you to make sure you had that. the whole thing yeah. in front of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so for, for us, we've we've just tried to identify when we look at the New Testament, what do, what do we see? And the, the, what is what is the church? What kind of fruit is it bearing, and what are the metrics of a new test a church that's built on the patterns and principles of the New Testament? So here's what here's what we get after together. First is uh, we think a healthy church is centered on the gospel. Number two, it is organized around mission, so it has a missional ecclesiology. Number three, it's led by qualified elders, elder led. Uh, it's deacon supported, uh, elder led, deacon supported, uh, Holy Spirit empowered. It's a city reaching church. It's a disciple-making church. It's a leader-developing church. It's a multiplying church. And it's a globally engaged church. So those are our, our 10 metrics of a healthy church. Mm, that's great, man. I love the city-reaching one, too, because a lot of times what when we talk about the idea of seeing a, a city saturated with the gospel, the question we need to stop start asking is not how do we just make disciples in our church, but how do we make, how do we disciple this city? Mm-hmm. That's really, we've been sent yeah. to a place and uh, yes. our job is to, to see the, that place, hear the gospel, respond to Jesus, come to faith, be built up, be trained, be sent. So the whole city gets to experience the fullness of Christ everywhere. So yeah. that's the way great. We, our, the way we articulate that, yeah, city reaching church is holistically engaged in meeting its neighbors, physical, mental, emotional, and most importantly, it's spiritual needs. Mm, That's great, man. So good. Mm. All right. Thanks for sharing those. Um, Anything else you want to share around the, just the, the hopes for the future, the hopes for the collaborative work, what the future you hope look, you know, what, what you hope it'll look like as you keep moving forward. I kind of interrupted you in one of those 10 things. So yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think in this in this season that that's really what we feel like God is asking us to do right now is to to take what has been this really sweet season of multiplication over the last five to eight years, and then to begin to share what we've learned so that more churches can work toward health and multiplication. So we're trying to appropriately steward the strength that we have without losing it, and yeah. so that's the that that's kind of the season that we're in, and uh, we've. Um, We've built out an assessment process and an adoption process because there are several other outside churches now that are leaning in and interested in joining the work that we're doing. And so we're trying to do that strategically and slowly, just like really what the rest of our, our network has been built. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and again, that means more change, but we're, we're trying to steward this, this work of, of multiplication, gospel multiplication, church multiplication that, that God's been doing. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. You guys are a good example. I, I I want people to keep learning from what you've done. I'm still learning, and I know many of us are learning from what you guys have done really, really well. Um, if if you could encourage our listeners towards greater collaboration, especially around starting new churches, um, what would you want them to hear? We have a fundamental principle in the Redeemer Network. We say this all the time. If you want your kingdom impact to grow, your kingdom collaboration must grow. If you want your kingdom impact to grow, your collaboration must grow. Um, that's kind of become a mantra for us. And I think that if you're listening to this and you want your kingdom impact to grow, 
I think recognizing that you have strengths and you also have weaknesses. That's really the origin story of the Redeemer Network is our churches acknowledging that we have strengths and we have weaknesses and we're better together. And so, yeah, that's our story is a story of like-minded, relationally connected churches leaning in together to leverage our collective strengths for greater kingdom impact. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's also a story of taking one step at a time, not trying to, to build a network, but trying to work together to train a few more leaders, to plant one more church, to pull our money together to support this one guy who's trying to get into a building or to fund that one strategic resident that could plant a church in El Paso. That was one of our key cities one year. We want to see something in El Paso. And so we, we, you know, so just kind of one step at a time. I think after doing that one step at a time, leveraging our strengths, staying relationally connected, Mm -hmm. being sober minded and mission after five or six years a network formed. And so that would be my encouragement Mm would be lean in, find other like-minded people around you and take one spirit led step at a time and let God use you. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think we can go like, let's collaborate for gospel saturation of a whole city and let's have a massive plan and never, we never do anything because it's just stinking overwhelming. Yeah. Um, instead of just kind of like, no, no, just one thing at a time. Let's begin to collaborate on one thing at a time and move forward. And I mean, that's really, that's just good, good wisdom there. Um, yeah, thank you. If you could encourage your listeners to come hear more, like our listeners, I'm sorry, to hear more, like they, if they wanted to take next steps to find out more about what you guys are doing, what where would they go? What would be the, the place you'd want to direct them? Uh, you can follow us on, you know, I think we're on most social media. We're for sure on Facebook and Instagram um, at Redeemer Network, at Redeemer Network. You can visit our website. It's at RedeemerNetwork.org. We have Plenty of information, tons of information on our website about the work we're doing. Uh, you can learn more about the churches in our network. So you can and you can reach out to me directly, just Jordan at RedeemerNetwork.org. I'd be happy to chat with anybody. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Last word. Any final word you want to say to encourage our listeners? Um, uh, maybe if, if you want to, this, you know, this, you reached out, Jeff, and said, I want to talk about church planting. It's one of our it's one of our initiatives in Saturate, and I love that. And I love the work that you guys are doing, by the way. And I'm thankful for you and the impact that you had on my life. And even our church, Redeemer Round Rock, you played a significant hmm. part uh, in helping, encouraging us and giving us vision and coaching in those early days. And so if, if you want to be a church planning church, a multiplying church, maybe you aren't there yet. Maybe you've tried it and it hasn't worked. I, I've talked to a lot of people that way. Hey, we tried church planning. It didn't work. I think what I would say to you, and this might sound oversimplistic, but I would just say to begin to pray now about who you can partner with. Who mm-hmm. can you partner with? So that the next time that you attempt to plant churches, or when you finally feel like you are, are to a point of church planning, you're not doing it alone. And, and that could be a like-minded church in a similar context. We've seen that happen for us. Maybe you begin to pray uh, uh, and ask God to connect you with with a network that could help you and support you. Um, so that that'd be one thing I would say. I'd also say begin to pray for some specific places. Uh, we planted my local church. We planted two new churches in 2022, and those are those are two cities right next door to us, two two suburbs adjacent to us, where we had people and we had a heart for those communities. 
Um, and we prayed for those two cities for 10 years, asking God to give us opportunities to plant in one of those two cities, asking God to raise up a leader among us or send a leader from outside that have a heart for those cities that we could support. So we prayed for those two communities for 10 years. And so mm. pray, begin to pray for people to work with, collaborate with, begin to pray specifically. I mentioned El Paso earlier. That was the spirit put that on our heart at one of our uh, Redeemer Network pastor retreats, just to begin to pray for God to send us a church planner for El Paso. And it took two or three years, but he did. And mm. so begin to pray and pray, pray specifically. This kind of work, church multiplication, it takes a commitment to prayer. It takes patience. It, it, you will not do this work in a hurry. And it mm-hmm. takes partnership with other people. So lean into those things. That's what I'd say. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing again. And thank you for the work you've been doing. Um, you guys have just been faithful. You persevered. Um, you're getting to see the fruit of that labor and there's, there's a real cost too. And so I, I know that you, you have also sacrificed and mm. hasn't all been easy. So thanks again, uh, Jordan, for all you're doing. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. Hey, if you have any questions at all that maybe we didn't answer, uh, maybe you want other resources around anything that we've talked about, or you know, not only go to where Jordan sent you, but please don't hesitate to reach out to us at Saturate the World. Um, you can just send an email, hello at saturatetheworld.com, and we'll do our very best either to connect you to people who can help you or try to help you ourselves. But we, we just want to make sure everyone gets the, the help they need as they think about taking next steps, whether it's around this or any of the other things that we've been talking about. Also, we want to let you know you can sign up for a free two-week membership trial uh, at saturatetheworld.com. You can, we have tons of resources, tons of training, t- stuff about church planning, but stuff about a lot of other things as well. And all you got to do is uh, go to saturatetheworld.com, look to, to sign up for a membership. Use this coupon though, podcast2023, all lowercase letters, no spaces, podcast2023. And that'll just give you a trial for a couple weeks so you can Take as much as you want. If you don't want to use it after that, feel free to just take all you can in two weeks. But maybe it'll be something you can that'll serve you for the long haul. And then lastly, if you want to become a partner with us who regularly prays for us, I send a text out every couple of weeks when I'm doing work or uh, we're trying to you know, come to different cities. We need all the prayer we can get. So if that's something that you'd like to do, uh, same, same address, hello at saturatetheworld.com. Just say, I want to be a prayer partner. Uh, and that way you can support us uh, with prayer. That's the biggest thing we need. Some of you want to support us financially. You can do that too. But more than anything, we need prayer support for the work we're doing. So we'd love to invite you to be a partner with us. And Jordan, once again, thank you so much for all that you've shared. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>